Welcome to Bro Trek, the only pro Bernie Sanders Star Trek podcast. From two brothers, I'm Ed. I'm Nick. Shall we engage? Make it bro. All right. So uh, this is uh, in, in news this week. The uh, Bernie Sanders victory in Nevada was really exciting. And then we had that shit-ass debate last night. Did you watch the debate? No, I didn't even catch the highlights after you had advised only to catch the highlights. Yeah, the uh, the the only real entertaining highlight was uh, a little bit where Warren went after Bloomberg, but it was really not all that different than what happened at the previous debate. You know, it's kind of the same deal, so mm-hmm. wasn't really anything new to come out of it. Mostly just people screaming. The the most interesting thing about it was just how it was like the worst debate, and almost not in terms of content, but just in terms of like what is going on, and it was just total chaos. Everyone just talking over each other hooting and yelling at each other the crowd was really like mad and like all like it, it felt like um i don't know a pro wrestling event or something whereas the other debates even when they were entertaining felt like a debate uh, yeah it was just it was pretty goofy uh but anyway uh, we're gonna see how things go on saturday that's the south carolina primary and we'll when is interesting to see when's illinois uh illinois is in march so we're we're like um a couple weeks after Super Tuesday, I think March seventeenth is the date. Um, you, you're on Super Tuesday though. You're coming up real soon. Yours is um, what like this coming Tuesday? I think Tuesday. Yeah, I've been third or maybe been telling myself I'm going to go early vote at lunch every day, but haven't done it yet. So I, I'm going to do it tomorrow. All right, you better do it tomorrow. All right. Uh, um, yeah. So uh, before we get into the um, Talking about this episode, one of the things that we, we see in this episode is the uh, the debut of uh, Jerry Ryan um, as seven or nine in this season. Well, I mean, I guess she was in last week's episode a little bit, but um, she was in this one a lot. And uh, one of the things I thought was interesting is if, I have just a little bit of historical information about seven of nine, or rather about Jerry Ryan who plays seven of nine. Let's so, have it. Yeah. Uh, the most important thing is that she um, is probably more responsible than anyone else for Barack Obama becoming president. Okay, I can get now, on board with that. Yeah, so there's a little bit of a story to get there, but I'll try to run through it. So she was married to this guy named Jack Ryan. And Jack Ryan, uh, they, got, they, they met in 1990, they got married in 1991. And at that point, he was just like a shithead investment banker. Um, who I think at least lived in New York at that time, but later on moved to Illinois. She was Miss Illinois and was the third runner-up Miss America, and she was starting a career as an actress. So, like, at that point, she was a famous, beautiful lady who wanted to be an actress. He was just a rich asshole. So, hey, perfect. They get married. So, seven years later, she starts... Her first big break is on Voyager. She had had some roles before that, but this was, like, her first, like, major one. Um, Then a couple years later, they divorced. They divorced in 1999, and they had a kid. Uh, in there, in between there. So then, f- jump ahead five years. It's 2004. This guy Jack Ryan, uh, just you know, by being just a rich investment banker shithead, decides he's going to run for uh, the open Senate seat in Illinois, and he wins the Republican nomination. Right? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, he was not like a um, political figure before that. He hadn't like been in you know state senate or something like that. He was just a rich guy who ran for Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, he won- he won the Republican nomination. 
So then, you know, the news goes, oh, this guy, he's married to a celebrity. You know, she's not an A-list celebrity, but a celebrity nonetheless. They got a divorce. There's got to be something interesting there. So the Chicago Tribune gets a judge to unseal their divorce records. And, and like the whole thing, including the custody records, which is where it gets really interesting. Um, so that's when it comes out. So uh, that Jerry had alleged, Jerry, Jerry Ryan had alleged that Jack Ryan took her to sex clubs all around the country and Lucky pressured girl. her to have sex with him in public. So this being 2004, when that, yeah, exactly. This being 2004, when that kind of stuff could actually like, you know, hurt someone running for president or hurt someone running for Congress, as opposed to uh, making absolutely no dent in someone running for president. Uh, Jack Ryan just gets like hammered by all the press, huge embarrassment. He drops out. Then um, at this point, uh, Barack Obama had won the Democratic nominee, uh, Democratic nomination for Senate, but it was good. There, it was expected to be like a really like contested race, right? This was this was two thousand and four. This was like peak Bush year times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Jack Ryan drops out, but the Illinois Republican Party like can't really find anyone real to replace him. Like all the other people had kind of moved on to do other stuff that were like you know people that were running against him. So they end up getting this guy named Alan Keyes. Who's, who wasn't even from Illinois. He was actually from Maryland. They literally only picked him because he's a black Republican. That was his sole qualification is he was one of the like 12 black Republicans in the United States. And they're like, well, we got to run this black Republican against this black Democrat if we want to win. Okay. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, uh, Alan Keyes, not even being from Illinois, had like barely even been to the state, just totally gets destroyed. Um, Obama wins 70% of the vote, which is like a huge, huge, huge victory for him, you know, and blah, blah, blah. So he becomes a superstar. And then from there, from then on to the presidency. So if uh, Jerry Ryan hadn't uh, divorced Jack and, you know, humiliated him out of the race, uh, Obama would have never been president. And in 2008, we would have had President Hillary Clinton. God, the world would be a better place. Or worse, really hard to say. (laughs) I can't imagine it being, well, at least politically, much worse than it is now. I think that she is responsible for Donald Trump. That was her secret Republican grand conspiracy. Mm. It's a good point. I have to look into that. We have to do some conspiracy theory research. Because we do know it is Obama is is why Trump ran for president. This is true, yeah. He's a secret Muslim from Muslim land. You know, he he got by being like a celebrity birther, he got a lot of like political fame and stuff like that. And then there was that one um, uh, uh, one of those like fancy dinners for like Washington journalists where the presidents go up and give us give a give like a talk where they make jokes. And Obama made a bunch of jokes about how, you know, stupid Trump was. And Trump was like, I'll show you I'm going to run for president. And hey, yeah, jokes on us. He won. (laughs) So owned. You did it, dude. Um, Anyway. One last conspiracy theory. I have another conspiracy theory about Jack Ryan, okay? So, back in the late 90s, so let's say like 98, 99, this was when um, the internet was still very new, right? There were like, we hadn't, uh, there were, one of the places where I would use the internet on our home computer via dial-up was alt.startrek. This was a Usenet. So like Usenet was like forums before the internet had forums, right? It was somewhere between a mailing list and like forums, right? This is where Wesley like, Crusher got uh, owned all the time, right? Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. So I would read like all Dutch Star Trek. And again, this is like the late 90s. Um, and one of the things I, re- I vividly remember from reading all Dutch Star Trek was some guy who would go on the, 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 the Usenet group and post like explicit descriptions of how he was having sex with Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine. Um, at the time, like he would go into super explicit detail, and at the time, like everyone was like, "Yeah, right. That's not real. You're, she's married to some guy. You're not. You're not anything. You're just some internet weirdo." I mean, later on, we find out Jack Ryan clearly an exhibitionist. If he's trying to have sex in public at the sex club, maybe he was posting. Maybe he was also a poster. Yeah, he he'd shown all the cool people all the banging he does, and then he wanted to prove to all the nerds that. He fucks. Yep. Yep. He wanted us to all know that he had, in fact, had sex. Huh. Pretty cool guy. So that's my conspiracy theory. Hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah. I actually, I actually went back and tried to find those specific posts on Alt Star Trek. Some um, of your favorite Jerry Ryan yeah. erotica. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the hard part though is when you search for. Uh, Jerry Ryan and seven of or seven of nine and like various sex words, there's a lot of results come up uh, mm-hmm. in in the, uh, the Usenet archive. So uh, no luck, no luck finding the original uh, the original posts. Um, <laughs> but you know, if I was a, if I was a professional journalist or something, I would be digging into that um, because you know there's probably a story there somewhere. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to read the synopsis of this episode. This is, again, from Memory Alpha. Um, the La Serena crew begins an unpredictable and lively expedition on Free Cloud to search for Bruce Maddox. When they learn that Maddox has found himself in a precarious situation, a familiar face offers her assistance. Um, kind of a vague description, but anyway. Uh, what was your reaction overall to this episode? Oh, it was badass. It was the most Next Generation-esque episode because, you know, they it was based around outfits on an away team. And that, that was great. Loved it. Same here. I thought it was the most fun episode and probably, if not the best, like the second best after the pilot, just in terms of overall quality. I thought it was great, though. The villains were super fun. That uh, Both uh, Mr. Vup, the big reptile guy, or um, uh, what was her name? Uh, uh, Bejazzle. Uh, yeah, the, but uh, Jazzle. <laughs> that whole time, I just kept thinking of there was some. Do you remember Bedazzling? And then yeah. there was some. There was some like I don't even know if it was a real product or if it was like a like a joke product from a sketch comedy show called Vajazzling. That mm-hmm. was like jewels you put on your vagina area. Uh-huh. Uh, and that, the whole time, I could not stop thinking of Vajazzle. Agreed. Um, again, Same I don't here. know if they remember if this was a real product or if it was just like I don't know a Mister Show or the state sketch or something like that. But uh, anyway, Uh, but yeah, that was really fun. uh, Really fun. I love that there was no board cube stuff. It was just the good characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was bejazzle supposed to be a uh, beta zoid like Deanna Troy is because they looked very similar and had the same sexy thing going on. Yeah. Um, I thought that was going to be the case when she first walked on screen i kind of did a double take because i thought that it was like it was troy but mm-hmm. they had like used maybe i don't know maybe they just like used de-aging cgi or something on her so she looked younger um but no I, watching the show there was no indication that she had the psychic powers that betazoids do 
if she had had psychic power, she probably would have been able to figure out something was up rather than them being able to get the drop on her. Because they got the drop on her kind of easily. Um, you know, uh, and, but if she was a Betazoid, she would have definitely figured it out. I think it's just they just happen to look similar. Total coincidence. Um, one thing that... Um, so there, there is another podcast, a competing podcast, which I listen to, but no one else should do because you should only listen to this podcast. Um, that's the official Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Picard podcast. It's like you know twenty minutes long. It's pretty short, and they just like interview the writers and stuff. Um, and they had mentioned sounds that like a the, shitty or, podcast. Yeah, it's way less interesting than this. But uh, they had <laughs> mentioned that the original concept for that character was she was not a human at all. It was going to be an all CGI character who was this. Um, uh, felinoid species. I can't remember what the species was called, but it was like there, in the, there was the old Star Trek animated show that was like a kid's cartoon that's actually pretty good. Um, but anyway, all that to say, there was a character on that show that was like a cat person, uh, and it was going to be a CGI cat person in this role, which makes sense and would have been cool, but you know, it was way too expensive, so they just hired a regular human, you know. So they um, just yeah. got another hot chick to be her, to be uh, Seven of Nine's lesbian uh, uh, lover. Yeah, pretty much. Um, just, you know, put her in a really cool outfit with some dope, like, shoulder pads of some sort. Um, but yeah. Uh, one other thing, uh, I had theorized in a previous episode that Free Cloud was going to be on Nimbus 3, the planet from Star Trek Five. I was totally wrong on that. So, uh, want to make sure that I, uh, we get credit for all of our correct conspiracies, <laughs> but we also get blame for our false ones. So, it was on a planet, Free Cloud, as a planet. I just assumed it was going to be Vegas Space Station, like we'd kind of talked about. But uh, it was like yeah. on a water world of some sort, it seemed. Yeah, that was what I thought, too. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not a planet that's been in the show before, but, you know, some, some planet of some sort, not a space station. Um, cool. But yeah, so the episode opens up with this, like, flashback sequence with seven, you know, there's this a uh, guy getting like deborged in like a really genuinely nasty way like that that was actually kind of icky that made my skin crawl when they were pulling the pulling his eye out and cutting it off oh yeah um, it looked like it was horrible yeah it was that was like genuinely really icky um this was one thing that i didn't catch watching it uh but that uh it was you know um a lot of star trek people who are actual star trek voyager fans did catch um but that guy was this character named Icheb, uh, who was a star, who was a Starfleet officer in Voyager. Basically, he was a um, uh, a kid bo- who was Borg um, that Seven of Nine like rescued back in Voyager. There were like three of them that were kind of became you know whatever her students slash adopted kids or whatever that she helped raise these you know formerly Borg kids. So anyway, that that was what was going on with that. He was so he's also a now he's a Starfleet officer, and he's also a former, you know, or, or now a former Borg, etc. But um, anyway, just for a little context, that was what it came, where that guy came from. Um, cool, cool. Yeah. Don't let me forget that there is a, uh, a Doctor Girardi uh, uh, theory that I have uh, from Ooh, that scene, but we'll get to that whenever we get to her okay. uh, later on. Yeah, I mean, really, not much to say, else to say about this scene other than that it was really icky. That also when like at one point they pan across a bunch of chopped up board hanging on meat hooks. That was pretty grody too. Like this was one of the ickier sequences. Yeah, everybody in there that was the lab tech, they seemed to be having a good time. And then Seven and I comes in there, slays them all, and then kills her buddy or her kid. Yep. Yeah, her kind of I guess adopted son or something along those lines. 
Um, but yeah, clearly there's like a big market for these Borg parts. I guess that's what the Romulans have been up to. And it's funny, we had seen the Romulans deborging people, but in a much less violent and disgusting way. You know, it looked more like surgery and less like torture, whereas this looked straight up like torture. Yeah, and well, so, you know, in that scene, or the next scene is whenever uh, uh, Maddox is with Bajazzle. So yes. all... It, to me, it points to Maddox having some involvement in the harvesting of Borg parts. Um, and that, you know, basically is their relationship and makes me wonder what the point of the Borg parts are, um, what what use they could have scientifically. Um, but it seems to be pointing to it has something to do with the development of artificial life um, or, or androids. But I guess that's That's really... a good point. I hadn't, I hadn't made that connection. I guess I, I just... You know, there was a market, and so I just kind of took it as, yep, people out there want to buy the Borg parts. But there's, you're right, there's not really, it's not really clear what they're using them for. Are they, like you said, using them to build the artificial life that Maddox can do? But, you know, it seems like there's only a couple of those. I mean, I don't know if that's it, but are they, it doesn't seem to be like people are taking these parts and then putting them on themselves, you know? We didn't see any of that. Yeah, because then you'll get snatched and get your eyeball ripped out. Yeah, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. So then we get this, uh, like you already started talking about, the second flashback, which is like a you know flashback to a couple weeks as opposed to flashback to 14 years ago. But um, uh, then we see Maddox. He's at the bar uh, that we come in Free Cloud. He gets you know drugged by uh, Bajazzle. Um, so one thing, uh, uh, I, I really, really loved her crazy-ass outfit. Like everyone's clothing is so dope. It's just this really, it, like like you said, it really feels like like original TNG. They, you know, whether they were on when they're on the uh, holodeck or whether they were when they would occasionally go to like off planet stuff, and everyone just had the like or rather off the ship stuff, and people would have just the craziest outfits. I remember there was one episode where they were hanging out at some bar trying to find some you know find some guy that knew something, and everyone wore just the goofiest costumes, and it was so cool. <laughs> yeah, her costume, uh, Bajazzles, was like in that scene was basically nude. Like I yeah. kind of did a double take. I was like, is she supposed to just be naked without any like external parts? Or uh, and then I looked a little harder, and you could tell that there was a little bit of uh, material. But yeah, it was I mean, pretty cool. It looked it looked more like just like a bodysuit that someone would wear like as a dancer or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then she had those like huge elaborate sculpted like shoulder pieces which were really cool no yeah yeah. there's not much else to say about that sequence uh the guy playing maddox that's not the original actor Ah, i was wondering that yeah yeah it looks vaguely like him but mostly just you know they're the same kind of like height and hair color and stuff like that but um but yeah the guy uh brian bofi was the original actor's name but he doesn't act anymore he is i looked this up and uh he was a um he's not like a tv or see, not a TV. He's like a theater teacher uh, at some school. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, um, so then we get back to uh, we get back to the main sh- to our ship um, with our crew. Um, they are kind of you know arriving at Free Cloud. We get these weird pop up ads. Um, I thought those were pretty funny. Um, they were, and poor Elnor didn't get one. I know. I wonder why. Like, the only thing I can like. Since they call it out, and since he says it, you have to wonder if it means something. You know, if he if they just like didn't have any good ideas and skipped him, 
they wouldn't have had him, you know, hang a hat, hang a lantern on it, as they say. Well, it's because he's not plugged in. He doesn't use social media. They don't know what to send him ads of. Hmm. You're right. You're right. They don't know what his vice is. Because that was one thing that like, all of them did seem to say something about the person's vice or their obsession or their hobby. Like Rios, it was about his ship. You know, um, Rossi, which, it was. Yeah, which is curious. Why did Girardi get a battle bot? Because she's because she's full of rage. Because she needs to she needs to kill someone, as we'll come to later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, you know, and Picard, uh, what was it? He just, it was like, come to a high tea uh, at this fancy tea room. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's scans. His vice is that he likes Earl Grey tea too much, which I would say, not a, not the worst vice. Um, but I guess really, if you're Picard, your biggest problem is is not, not tea consumption, but hubris. That seems to be his actual failure. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, we get some other stuff. I really love the... Um, the conversation between Picard and Seven about why she's out there, um, about you know why she's out there with these Fenris Rangers trying to like hold it down. I thought that was really interesting and just some really good world building. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, kind of gave a little bit of direction as to why she was there and you know why her uh, past ended up crossing them uh, at the time that it did. Uh, yeah, but. But anyway, uh, but yeah, it was cool. And then uh, what's her name? Uh, Rafi doing some elite hacks or shit to get them in with the the bad guys on the planet. That was that yep. was neat. That was really fun. One thing I I guess uh, this was the first time the show had actually confirmed that Agnes and Maddox are in a relationship. You know, we see them baking cookies. You know, I mean, that was something I knew about, and by extension, you knew about because I'd read it in the uh, the the prequel novel. But yeah, it was good to know that they were. Uh, they actually did set that up in the show, so you did have to have read a novel. So then we get this really cool sequence where, um, you know, we get like a heist setup, and I doing the classic heist thing where you're like, you see the planning and you see the execution, kind of cutting back and forth between the two. I really love that. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to you know recover Maddox by doing a prisoner exchange um, with Seven, um, and, you know, who's has the Borg implants uh, as bait, uh, which I thought was a really fun way to do it. I loved uh, Rios's like goofy ass pimp outfit, like looking like uh, oh crap, what was it? What was the um, uh, mystery? The pickup artist guy. He was looking like mystery, the pickup artist. <laughs> uh, yeah, smoking his stogie, walking in there, bop- bopping to the music. <laughs> uh, but no, that was really cool. And the, the, I mean, really, the coolest part was to me was the discussion that cut back and forth prior to their uh the away team leaving and then uh uh, at the actual scene in the bar where rafi's giving them all the lowdown on how to be the character they're supposed to be and one thing that bothers me about uh elnor is that he was the comic relief in that episode and it was he was always the butt of the joke i mean i guess he's supposed to be a uh an angst-filled teen but um you know let him cut somebody's head off again he did that really well. Yeah, he didn't really have a lot to do other than standing there looking like a tough elf, you know? Like, he mm-hmm. um, made some jokes about, oh, we're lying. Oh, we're not lying anymore. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. But then what he, did you think? He Then he, he chooses a character, and he's being Rios. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. He is just trying to uh, yeah catch that dude's vibe. Um, 
I really. What did you think about the uh, the kind of like Blade Runner but Las Vegas like aesthetic of the world that they land on? Oh, I thought it was really cool. I was down. Yeah. Did you see uh, Quark's the sign for Quark's bar in the background? Uh, Quark from Deep Space Nine. No, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah. So cl- clearly, uh, they, they mention him later on where Rios is having a conversation with Mister Vup um, before the Zannies kick in, um, where. Uh, <laughs> Where he says, oh, you're, you're uh, what was it? Your reference from Quark of Ferengar. So I love the little call. Hopefully we'll get a Quark cameo but at some point, but maybe not. At least we're referencing him, uh, which yeah. is pretty good. Anyway, yeah, yeah uh, I also really liked uh, Picard kind of doing a, uh, uh, made me think of Hercule, of the, uh, the um, uh, PBS uh, Her- po- uh, Poirot mystery shows from when we were a kid. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember watching those? Mm. They were they were the Agatha Christie mysteries about the kind of like French or Belgian uh, detective Hercules Poirot, and that was uh-huh. kind of who uh, Picard uh, made me think of with the accent and the way he when acted. he was appropriately sinister. Yes, I thought that yeah. was really good. I loved him doing a big fake bad French accent, with the fucking <laughs> eye patch, so good. Just yeah. yeah, that that was the that really got at scratch that like TNG goofy holodeck episode itch, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um yeah, so then we kind of get off away from the main plot for a minute, and there's this the Raffi trying to reconnect with her estranged son Gabriel, which again, this is stuff that like in the I had some context for because I read the book and the kids mentioned in the book. But this if I was not had not read the book, this would have seemed totally out of nowhere to me. Um, it did. You know, I, I didn't know that she had a kid, and it was just, like, hard to to, to watch. It was by far the, the least enjoyable scene. Yeah. It was it was pretty weak. You know, like, I don't know, like, like I don't know what it, it really added up to other than showing kind of how sad her character is, you know? Like, her kid... Even 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 when he thinks she's kind of like gotten better, just kind of was already like fuck you. Like she really must have done something bad. But it seemed to be just like she was a nine eleven truther, and that was all he was mad about. <laughs> uh, well, I, and you know, one of the first things she said, she's like, "I'm clean, I'm clean," and uh, you know, I guess her snake weed addiction has been long running. Yeah, but like she hadn't been clean for all that long, like. It's probably only been what, like a week or two Maybe. since she met up with Picard. Like that can't have been that long. So she like hasn't smoked weed for a week. Stop. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's not getting clean. Snake weed. Don't bring Snake the cannabis right. into this. You're right. You're right. She's not smoking good, healthy herbal uh, herbal medicinals. She's Correct. smoking that nasty alien snake weed, um, which is not <laughs> from America, unlike marijuana. Uh, yes. anyway but yeah yeah like like if even a snake weed is like actually like a really bad drug it's like being on heroin or something like she hasn't been off it all that long i think it's a stretch to say that she's clean mm-hmm. i mean i think anyway. her, her kid saw right through it she came there looking That's like true. a desperate addict needing a few extra space bucks for another another uh another round of snake weed yeah yeah the, that whole sequence didn't make a ton of sense like why is her son on free cloud like he's at like a, uh, he's at like a, you know, like a, a fertility a place clinic. about fertility clinic. Thank you. Um, because he's 
married to a woman that's either Romulan or Vulcan and they're trying to have a kid, but like, okay, that part makes sense. But maybe like, in the future, that's the only place you can get a, a Vulcan abortion. Maybe. I mean, but the, the, it seems like, like there have been many other characters that were like half Romulan or half Vulcan and half human. So it can't be that hard. And it, you wouldn't need to go to this weird, like bootleg place on the outskirts of the planet to try to make that happen. I mean, maybe he just works in free cloud, you know, it's just like, there are people that are just like whatever, like a nurse or something, and they work in Vegas. Just a totally yeah. normal like a school teacher who just happens to be in Vegas. So maybe that's what he is. But it still, I don't know. It still didn't seem to make a ton of sense. Maybe they just have fertility issues, Edward. People have fertility well, issues. Well, yes, I know that, Nick. But <laughs> but um, you know, like yeah, uh, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing he w- he would be there in Free Cloud to go to a fertility clinic. Yeah. It'd be like going to Las Vegas just for that, as opposed to just if he lived in Vegas, you know, doing it in Vegas just because it's a city. Anyway, one thing they did drop, though, was the uh, Conclave of Eight, which I think is the first time we've heard that phrase. Don't know what that means. Don't know if that'll be relevant. I don't remember that's, I guess, it. one of her conspiracy well, theories. Oh, that he is said, what she was talking about. Yeah, he was like, oh, you're still talking about the Conclave of Eight and how the Romulans did it or whatever. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. Again, not, yeah, I think that's definitely a weak sequ- weak part of the show, but at least there wasn't a lot of it, unlike some of the board cube stuff, which just drags on forever. <laughs> so, getting back to the fun stuff, Bejazzle, uh, you know, uh, shows up again. She recognizes that it's Seven, that's the bait. Um, seven, you know, <laughs> drops the charade, pops the cuffs off, and starts which choking out Bejazzle. Which she's very adept at. She's definitely... Yeah had fake cuffs on and taken them off multiple times. Yeah, yeah. She's, she has definitely been through some shit, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, I did really love Picard's shocked face when that happens. He's just like, just totally had no clue that this was happening. He was ready <laughs> for just this chill, fun time. You know, they were going to run this scam, and then it, uh, it, it, turned, it turns out he was not, not in control, and it was pretty funny. Um, well, he was probably just jealous. He probably thought that he yeah. had a chance with seven and nine back in the day. They're like, oh, you know, I'm a hot dude. She's a hot chick. We're both Borg. You know, she's definitely into me because of who I am. And then he finds uh, out that he was misguided the whole time. It's true. It's true. That could be it. One thing I one thing I want to mention is when Rhea saves the day and he shoots Mr. Vup. Did he kill Mr. Vup? Because the whole thing is Picard was trying to get Bajazzle to, or Seven to not kill Bajazzle. And then if Rios just like kills Mr. Vup, why does Mr. Vup not count? You well, know? he like, was pulling if, a gun. He, was, he had like shot something out of his sleeve and was about to shoot everybody. So he deserved that's it. True. That's true. That's true. I'm still going to get, I'm going to assume that Rios just stunned Mr. Vup. And I hope Mr. Vup comes back later because he was fun. I love. The like big guy wearing a gangster suit—it's just a fun look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love this big, big like reptile teeth. That was pretty cool too. It was just a really good like physical costume for a character, you know. Like it didn't look like there was any CGI on it at all. It was just like a classic Star Trek alien, but done really, really, really well. Yeah. Um. So anyway, you know, we uh, Picard keeps prevents Seven from from killing Bajazzle. They trade, you know, we're, we won't kill you, and you give us Maddox, and then they get back to they get back to uh, back to the ship, and that's where we have probably like, one of the uh, best convert one of the best se- sequences in the whole show, I think, um, which was um, 
the conversation between Picard and Seven uh, about regaining their humanity after having been a Borg. And mm-hmm. just when Picard, you know, Picard says like, are you, are you, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to work on recovering my humanity every day of my life. And I thought that was really good. Yeah, yeah, and she she asked, "Do you think you ever fully regained it?" And he's like, "Nope." Yep. Really, really, really good sequence. Um, and then he I gives her like, two phasers to yeah. do what? What did he think was about to happen when she beamed off? Did he not know where he was beaming her to? Yeah, I know. It seemed like he got like Picard was kind of a chump in this episode, and then they were really like running rings around because Rios was like moving the little like phase the like um what was it the like transporter enhancer thing, mm-hmm. kind of passing it around to Seven um, without Picard noticing, and then Seven's like, oh uh, yeah, I'm definitely not going back to kill Bajazzle. Um, also, can I have two guns, please, for you know reasons? Uh, and yeah. he's like, yeah, sure, take these guns for you know protecting protecting the citizenry and then she like immediately <laughs> comes up and blows up Bajazzle's spot and just straight up mercs her which is pretty cool yeah um, shoots her with two phasers and causes her to turn into a cloud of pink mist yep so don't mess with seven yeah I don't think that. I hope this is not the end of it or the end of seven you know like if this was like basically a one episode cameo and she just shows up and then leaves you know because we didn't really know what happened to her at the end of at the end of that. She's well, he kind of she gave her way out, but she gave know. Picard that little chip, so like her transponder or something like that, mm. so that he could contact her whenever he needs her. That makes sense. Yeah, maybe she'll hopefully she'll show up. She'll show up again. I don't. She wouldn't be surprised if she's gone for a couple episodes, but hopefully she'll come back. Well, um, my Girardi theory leads her back into the picture. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's so. Uh, we can get to that in a minute once we get back to Jardy. But then you get... We, so we jump back to the ship. Maddox, who's like dying uh, or really you know injured, is talking to Picard. He's telling him about Soji and Dodge. Explains, you know, that he sent him, he's, you know, sent them to Earth and to the artifact and trying to figure out what's going on um, about the synth band and trying to find out the truth about whatever the truth is. And, you know, it's, it, going back into this, it's pretty clear, like that there really is some sort of hidden they that's behind everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the big you know, bad you pr- mentioned. Yeah, yeah. This was just more like they're all kind of talking around the existence of something out there that's doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, two things that I thought, a couple of things I thought were interesting in here was he did mention that that mom character that, we, that we've seen a couple times was an embedded mom AI, as he calls it. Mm-hmm. Um, which was both uh, makes sense and is also a very funny turn of phrase. Um, yeah. One of the things I really, the thing I liked best about this whole sequence, though, was just Agnes was supposed to be like helping him out and like, you know, giving him some medical sprays or whatever, but she is just standing in the background. She's not doing anything other than listening into the conversation and just getting increasingly tense. And that was just watching her listen was so tense it was so anxiety inducing for me i thought that was a really incredible sequence oh i i was watching her i knew she was gonna she was up to no good and something was about to happen as soon as picard walks out yeah but uh he he mentions to picard that the federation are in on it and yep you know that that seems to be the the reason or what uh um rafi was claiming and what her son was kind of mocking her about 
And then also probably the reason why she wasn't able to get any work after she and Picard got booted and why she ended up smoking that nasty stank weed. That is a very good point. I think that does explain. We when back in like whatever that was episode two, both you and I were like, "Why the hell did Raffi get fired immediately?" She, you know, her boss quit. She didn't quit, and that kind of I had kind of chalked it up to, uh, well, you know, she seems like kind of an asshole. Maybe everyone hated her, and her protector was gone, so that was it. But no, I think you're right. Like she had been poking around places that she shouldn't have been, and uh, uh, we're gonna find out why. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty clear that all her theories are going to be proved correct. So I have, you know, I have one little theory that, again, I don't, this is not one that just came to me. I saw somebody else mention it in a review or in a comment or something. I don't remember where, but so again, there's some they that's behind this, right? Maybe it's the Zatvash. That seems like the least interesting choice. Um, but you know, there's something behind it, right? And it's in, it's got the... It's it's causing the Federation to do stuff. It's causing the Romulans to do stuff. Maybe it has something to do with the Borg. All very unclear. But one theory I have is that it might be these parasites from um, the last episode of season one of Star Trek: The Next Generation. So this was an ep- this was like the finale of the first season, and in it, um, and I don't. It's one that they didn't. Sh- I didn't see until like. I was doing some rewatches recently because I don't think it showed up on syndication very often. But um, they had uh, basically there was Picard uncovers a conspiracy, um, and people are acting weird and they're like they're they're trying to like start a war with the Kleons if I remember right. And then eventually he figures out what it is, and it is like a little alien parasite that gets inside of the uh, people's brains, and specifically some admirals who are running Starfleet gets inside their brains and takes over. And they're trying to get, they're trying to like recruit Picard, so to speak, by like getting him infected too, mm-hmm. um, so that they have all the major leaders of Starfleet um, and can control this, you know, control that and control the Federation. So the episode ends with um, them finding, you know, the cat, the crew finds out and they like um, blast him with a phaser. There's actually like, like a fairly like grody, especially for Next Generation, which is generally pretty PG. A pretty grody, like, monster popping out of a dude's chest and getting blasted with a phaser and exploding. Nice. Um, yeah, it was, it's actually, it's a really good episode. It's one of the, like, season one's not very good overall, but, uh, except for some kind of campy fun stuff, but this one's actually a pretty good episode. So, it might be that. They never followed up on it. Apparently, and this was stuff I've just read on Wikipedia or whatever, but, like, the original vision was that this, like, parasite that would control people was going to be like an ongoing bad guy all throughout the show uh, but they never came back to it because they eventually you know they created the borg and the borg were more interesting and so the borg kind of became a recurring bad guy that filled the same niche right as a big threat mm. um but they've never come back to it so that could be it maybe maybe these people are under the control of this external species but I kind of would be surprised if that's actually it. It makes sense, but I think it also like a little alien bug controlling people. Yeah, that's really not that interesting anymore. This stuff's been done a lot, you know. Yeah, I mean, humanity is the ultimate enemy, um, and that that's the most interesting way to end anything. Is that you know it's our own demons haunting us, not a, a bug demon in our our leader's brains. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that would be a... Uh, it would be much more interesting to just find they're just shitty people. 
in the Federation who are trying to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. That's much more interesting. Um, so, back to the show. Picard leaves Gerardi and Maddox alone, and Gerardi murders Maddox. Like, turns off the, I don't know, the oxygen or something? It's a little unclear exactly what she did, but, like, just he, it's like he's not getting any air, and he just, his face turns like, all the veins start to pop and he dies and then the emh pops in for a second about like hey you're having a medical emergency what's going on and she turns him off and that was when uh well all our theories were correct and so i wonder if she's going to be caught basically immediately because the emh saw what was going on and he looked down he's like uh he's gonna die um Mm -hmm. and then then you know he died after she told him to go away but she's yeah. going to have to try to explain how he died and had all the, the black blood vessels on his face pop uh, when he seemed to be fine a moment before. Yeah, because he had gotten like the shit kicked out of him, presumably, but that was it. And, you know, like, that's not going to cause you to look like he did where his eyes go black. Mm-mm. No, I mean, it's, it's, he's on a, a starship. Their yeah. medical stuff's pretty good. They just, yeah. you know, trancord or tricorder them a little bit and everybody's fine unless there's foul play. Yeah. So one of the things she says is she saw, she says something along the lines of, I saw the proof. I wish I hadn't seen it, but I saw it. And they showed me. They showed me, yeah. And so I'm wondering if she was like, you know, clearly she was shown something by uh, uh, Com- Commodore O, who's, you know, a Vulcan, or excuse me, a Romulan... Um, uh, uh, spy within the Federation, but like, was she shown quote unquote proof that Maddox caused the synth attack or that she caused the synth attack? Um, it, going back to the book that I've been reading, like in the book, it she at least, uh, the, you know, after the synth attack happens, she has a conversation with Maddox, and within that, she at least acts as if she does not know whether or not the synths. Uh, going and attacking every and attacking Mars are their fault or if it was something else. So there's like, there's a question there, right? Um, again, that's how she's acting. She might have known this beforehand. You know, I think this gets to our, our the theory. One of the the open questions here is, is she has she been aware and involved in this from the get go and helped set the synth attack up like you know whatever 14 years ago, or is this something that she just got sucked into? Mm-hmm. And I don't think we know yet, but man, like, it, well, it was, I it think that I know for her to kill him. Oh, you got a theory. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> well, I'm going to develop it on the fly this moment. Um, That's the best way to so, do it. <laughs> so she said that she, you know, was shown something and she wished she didn't, they, she sh- didn't know. Um, whenever, uh, uh, Picard's help was telling him about the uh, the Tal Shiar and the uh, Zot Gosh. They said that they know things that if you knew it, it could kill you or something like that. So something terrible, a terrible secret. Maybe that is the same thing she was shown. And she was shown it either, you know, whenever uh, Commodore O found her out in, the, uh, in that park... Or it was something that happened a long time ago, which led to her being stationed on Earth, sitting around, waiting for something to pop up. Um, you know, under the guise of leading the uh, the um, 
the academy there, or not the academy, but the science lab. Um, and something else in the scene where, uh, the flashback scene where Seven of Nine is in that facility rescuing her, uh, her friend, the girl that is performing the uh, disembowelments and whatnot looks just like Girardi, is bubbly, and sounds like Girardi. Hmm. She has a mask on. She gets shot. She drops. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that lab was the one where Maddox was actually working for Bejazzlat and it was Girardi and Maddox doing their thing in that facility. And then she got shot, either killed her or didn't. Um, and so that is whenever she and Maddox's you know, relationship parted. Because she didn't know where Maddox was before they found him on Free Cloud. She hadn't, yeah. uh, it seems she hadn't had any contact with him for a while. So say she was either turned into a synth um, and she is currently, or she just didn't die, and they sent her there with whatever knowledge that that organization that was collecting all the the parts mm. um, uh, knew, and and she's been waiting for Maddox because he disappeared after that. Um, but the only thing that connects Maddox and her in the past with Bajazzle would seem to be harvesting. Uh, Borg parts and that certainly could have been where they were at which is why the transponder that Seven of Nine gave Kirk is important because she's going to find out that Maddox the people that they saved Maddox and Girardi were in on it or had something to do with it and is going to come back and save them in the end Um, and her and Picard are going to team up and use their previous Borg experience to uh, the detriment of whoever this big bad uh, organization or person is. Yeah, I I think I think you're onto something there. I kind of want to go back and like frame by frame <laughs> look at the person with the mask who was yanking out Icheb's eyeball and to see how much it looks like Girardi. Um, I do think your theory though that her and Maddox like you know they didn't co- they didn't like totally separate and break up you know immediately upon him uh, upon the synth attack on mars 14 years ago like they might have kept working together while he was off doing unethical stuff and she knows a lot more than she was letting on that's definitely possible um well, yeah and I, so yeah he, like he the, before he, she killed him he told her like oh we did it we finally did it so since yeah he had created the dodge and soji uh quality since he hasn't had contact with her, um, and you know, it would seem that that was outside of whatever they were working together on originally. But what are her her contributions? What could they have been? Yeah, you know, it seems like it could have been ripping the eyeballs out of poor Borg dudes, um, and you know, maybe a little bit of science as well. But it seemed like yeah. he was apologizing for something that caused either their split or, you know, something bad that happened to her um, and mm. saying it was worth it. Your contribution, you know, was was pivotal along with some other girl that he mentioned. Um, like her, hers was, or yours was, uh, uh, you know, 
needed and as well as the others or something like that. Hmm. I didn't catch that part. I'll have to go back and re-listen to that. I think, like, again, this is just me going back to the prequel novel, but in there, like, one of the things that, that Agnes does is, A, she encourages... So, so basically Maddox is told, stop working on creating artificial life. Instead, work on creating these, like, synthetic robots that will just, you know, can do, like, basic labor, right? They're not, like, sentient. You're not trying to create sentience. You're just trying to create, like, robot, like humanoid looking robots to do this work basically you know this simpler problem to solve um so she convinces maddox hey while you're doing that you should also try to work on you know recreating data right to have this sort of um uh, these like sentient androids and encourages him to do that so like she both she encourages him and then she also suggests a couple of ideas that help him actually like pull it off to like break to find the scientific breakthrough so that could that could be what he's referring to, just that she kind of helped him with the science a little bit. But I, that seems a lot less interesting than she actually, through board parts, like enabled him to really get across the last the last leg. Because in the book, it's not like he solved it yet. He has made progress towards sentience, but he hasn't done it yet. And then we get to the the show, and clearly he has done it in the past couple of years at least. Um, so yeah, so maybe he maybe again this comes back to like was she setting him up from the very beginning and causing all this to happen, or was she just a person who was along for the ride and then you know kind of gets gets in too deep? And I don't think it's clear. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm watching the the clip from that scene where she gets uh, she finds her Borg friend, and it mm -hmm. definitely could be Agnes Girardi in the mm -hmm. mask because she's a blonde with short blonde hair pulled back and a mask on damn dude i that is not a connection that i drew that is fascinating and seven of nine never saw her in the in the scene she shot her in the back and walked past her yeah yeah and knowing seven of nine she pretty clearly is you know using uh stun mode for this stuff except for when she like you know kills bejazzle yeah, that was when the, uh, the 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 phaser was red as opposed to the phaser being blue. You know, um, yeah, interesting. So, um, anyway, is so that is that a, a is that canon? If it's red, it's kill. If it's blue, it's stun. I don't think so. I think they've shown it a couple of different ways in this episode, though. Like that was just the first thing they were using phasers a bunch. Like you could see uh, they were blasting blue phasers most of the time. And then uh, the one time she blasts Bejazzle, it is red. Uh, so okay, I was well, interpreting it that way. The phaser that got shot in the lab was blue. Okay. So it could have Which been seems on stuff. Like, yeah, that seems like what, just character-wise, that would be what Seven of Nine would do. That would make gotcha. more sense to me. Yeah. Gotcha. So I finished, I finished that Star Trek prequel novel. Um, a couple, you know, we've talked about it a, a bit already, so I won't, you know, go too deep on it, but... A couple of things to call out. It does confirm that Jordy is alive. He was not on Mars when the attack happened, so there's that. So Jordy's still alive. Yippee! Um, More yip reading Rainbow. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's a bunch more Agnes Maddox stuff which we've already talked through, but two little, two other little bits that I want to mention is like Rafi does begin falling down the conspiracy hole like immediately, like immediately upon it happens, she starts going down this conspiracy hole, and that's what like causes her and her husband to fall out and her and her son to have a falling out. There's also one thing as we're thinking about like the like who could be behind this. 
there's one character that kind of shows up in the book and it kind of doesn't really matter um because there's like like most of the book is just kind of filling in um you know in an, in an enjoyable way but filling in the blanks of between the last time we saw picard and the beginning of this show um most of the like i don't know action so to speak is like little like little vignettes of like okay they go to this planet and this time this problem occurs while they're trying to evacuate the romulans and they have to do x and y and z um and you know one of them is there's this like minor romulan noble who they really piss off and then he just like teleports away at the end and it doesn't really it happens right at the end um it doesn't really seem to like cause any character development for picard it doesn't seem to really like change the overall arc of how things are going it just kind of happens so it could just have been like well that's a chat we need an extra chapter put it in one more chapter where they have an adventure but it could also i wonder if this is like maybe they pissed off the wrong dude and there is some sort of romulan you know that he is part of some romulan plot behind it that seems like a stretch but hey uh, other hmm. than that no other real major revelations in the book uh one thing i in the book at least agnes and maddox um kind of seem to have like separated and gone separate ways at the end but again that doesn't mean they couldn't have reunited a week later you know um so yeah so that's we are halfway through season one um i want to talk about like what you think might be coming next you know like uh what are we going to find out what do, what do you see as some of the big open questions or things that you want to see in the next half Hmm. Well, I mean, as far as how the show develops, I'm I'm not really sure. I'm just excited to see what it is. But, you know, one thing I don't know, and it seems to be one of the biggest questions, is where the Borg came from. Do we know as part of canon where they came from, or did they just one day show up and start assimilating folks? So we sort of know a little bit in that the Borg um first showed up in the delta quadrant which is where the voyager takes place so just to remind you the show voyager's whole concept is there's this ship they get zapped to the delta quadrant the other side of the you know the galaxy and at maximum warp it would take them like i think they say like 75 years to make it back to earth um so you know they're they're too far away and so they have to try to find some other way to get home but they have adventures over the delta quadrant right and then eventually they get home um and one of the things that, that, that happens there is, you know, they, they run across the Borg, and there are the Borg at least seem to have started in the Delta Quadrant. The show, to, at least to the best of my knowledge, because again, I have only watched some of it, does not set any sort of real, like, origin story for the Borg. Like, how the Borg came to be, that is never set. Um, mm -hmm. That, I think, is something that, like, various Star Trek novels have explored various ideas for, but there have been multiple variations of it, um, none of which are, are canonical. They're just, I, you know, in a, someone's idea in a novel that could get tossed, because um, that's just all secondary canon, not primary canon. Hmm. Um, so, or, to your point, like, we, you know, the, the something, they came from somewhere, but we don't, other than that, it's probably the Delta Quadrant, we don't really know. Ah, I have a, a, a little brain fart. It seems to me that the, the Borg have a lot of similarities and goals in common with, the, with Starfleet. You know, basically their goal is to assimilate all the different cultures and species of the universe or of the galaxy into one cohesive, um, you know, uh, 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 
cohesive uh, group that is for the betterment of everybody. And I guess if you could take that to its logical end, that would be assimilating them all into one hive mind. And uh, uh, I guess you'd have to toss out the, um, what's the, the prime directive? Uh, yeah. Kind of do the opposite. But, um, you know, there have been several times whenever violating the prime directive seemed imperative. Um, yeah. But anyway, maybe they're from the future or the, the that's what the Zot Vagash or Zot Gosh know is that the Federation or, you know, the different people included in the Federation caused them sometime in the future um, and therefore brought about, about their own downfall and something. Hmm. You know, that is something that Star Trek is, that, that kind of, um, what do you call it, that, that kind of like a, a time, time loop kind of stuff where you've got like, you have to travel into the past to make the thing happen so that it happens in the future. They've done that several times already, mm-hmm. um, dating back to, I think, even like at least one original series episode uh, uh, where they, they, they've kind of explored that idea. So that's certainly possible. Um, you know, like one of the very, one of the, the theories that um, the Borg, or for, for the origin of the Borg, was the uh, V'ger from uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture uh, might have caused the Borg while it was off having its adventures. Uh, traveling around the universe. Um, oh, the uh, current, uh, uh, like the the um, the satellite the that, space probe. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, makes sense. So that has been an idea that has been explored at least once. Um, again, none of that's canonical, but um, yeah, I mean, I think they've clearly implied some sort of Romulan Borg connection. Um, what that is. Does that have to do with the origin of the Borg or the origin of the Romulans? I don't know. Maybe the the Romulan evacuation was the turning point in bringing peace to the Federation nations and its enemies, which in turn would lead to the Borg being the final outcome of that. And some uh, utilitarian... uh, uh, people from the future decided to come back and, and prevent that in quite a quite a um, dramatic fashion. Yeah, that makes there's definitely something there. It's funny that makes me think of. So I've watched some of the show Star Trek Enterprise, which is you know like set before the original series, uh, and a, a lot of it has to do with something they call the the temporal uh, Cold War, where these like people from the future are battling throughout time and it all gets a bit confusing but it all kind of at least comes to a head when um some people from the future travel back in time to make the nazis win uh and then the enterprise (laughs) has to come fight nazis as well as aliens in order to fix the time stream um Hmm. so harry turtle dove turn of fate it very much is very harry turtle dove so uh uh, I will say that it was pretty fun watching them watching uh, Starfleet versus Nazis. I did enjoy that. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, aside from my so, uh, crazy crazy theories, what are you looking forward to? So, I guess for me, I was thinking about like there are four big. F- to me, there are four big questions, right? In kind of like in order of scope, right? The small, the first smallest one is why, what, what caused Agnes to kill Maddox because. Either A, she's been evil the whole time, which I... 
based on how she reacted while she was killing him and she seemed to give her great be very traumatic for her that mm-hmm. makes it less likely to me that she's been evil the whole time but so it must have been something big to make her kill her ex-boyfriend so yeah. two why did the synths attack Mars, right? There's clearly something there. We just don't know what it is yet. Like, three, what is the Romulan-Borg connection? Uh, And then, because there is one, we just, it's unclear what it is so far. And then the fourth one is like, we have all these minor bad guys, right? Bejazzle, the the, the Commander, Commodore O, uh, the sexy Romulans, um, and they're all evil, but they're all very, like, kind of, I don't know, Low stakes Standard evil? eagle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who is who is who is this big bad that I keep hypothesizing, and I want to know who it is. Um, it's Spock, we, you and I, yeah, exactly. You know what? Honestly, it could be Spock. Spock from the future. Whenever he fit, found out he couldn't stop the supernova, he went back further or went into the future, created the Borg, and decided to say, "Live long and prosper, bitches," and yeah. assimilate. It's true. I mean. You know, in, in in the 2009 movie, he Spock gets sent back in time, kind of unintentionally, but it, you know it still happens, um, and uh, you know teams up with the uh, the new Spock and the new Kirk to save everything. But maybe when that time warp happened, we had two Spocks, and one got yeah. sent to the future and, and created the Borg. You know, they bum, have bum, to bum. they have to bring back an all CGI Leonard Nimoy, but um, yeah. <laughs> they've got a big effects budget; they can figure it out. Yeah. So. Yeah. One of the uh, one last thing before we wrap, uh, I want to talk about my favorite line. My favorite line was when um, Rios was uh, orders the drink at the bar. The bartender sets down this big goofy uh, uh, tiki drink, and he says, "With two umbrellas." <laughs> Hell yeah, that was actually going to be my favorite line of the show. <laughs> All right, well then, there's a clear winner. Because honestly, there's nothing as so so stupid. It's cool as demanding an extra umbrella. On the <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess Robbie's. Uh, you need a feather in your hat, um, which was good because that that feather in his hat certainly made the outfit. Yep, yep. You know, like like all those uh, pickup artist guys uh, from the early 2000s say, you have to have some, you have to have some flair. You have to uh, peacock. Yep. Yep. My buddy John, uh, we went out last night, and he was wearing a hat, and it had a feather in it. That motherfucker wore it. <laughs> uh, well, I guess he can pull it off. I mean, hell yeah. whether he oh, yeah. can, he did. He did pull it off. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, uh, excited to watch uh, episode six tomorrow, and um, we will see you all next week.